Amen. Praise God. Will you open up your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis? I want to talk to you today on the subject, God's heart for us. You know, a lot of times we talk about our heart. Well, this is how I feel. But did you know that God has a heart? Did you know that God has feelings? We don't really think about that a lot, do we? God has feelings? Yeah. And you know when we talk about our heart, you know we're not talking about the cardiovascular organ, right? Pumping blood through our veins. When we say, I love you with all of my heart, what do we mean by that? Our feelings, right? That's what we mean. When you say that Jesus is in my heart, what do you mean by that? Jesus is a part of my life. Well, in that same sense, God is a person. And what I mean by God being a person, it doesn't mean God wakes up in the morning Uh, showers and shaves and does all this. What I mean that God is a person is that he has an intelligent mind and he has feelings. We are made in his image. So the very fact that we have a mind, we think we have feelings, a heart, so does God. And what I want you to see today is that God's heart is shared throughout the word of God. And I want to ask you, do you have God's heart? Do you feel and think the way God does? Now let's start with Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. The first thing that I want you to see is that God's heart is broken for man's sin. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 says, The Lord was grieved that He had made man on the earth, and His heart was filled with pain. Look at that again. If you're looking at your scripture up here, his heart was filled with pain. How many know the story of Noah and the flood? We know that. Do you realize that only eight people were spared out of the earth at that time? Everybody else was destroyed, even all the creatures except the ones that were on the ark. So you're talking at most 250,000, a million people died. That's how we estimate how many people were on the planet at that time. And so God wiped out that group of people. And so many times atheists or people who don't really like the Bible will say, how can God be love and yet kill that many people? But you know what? Before it says verse 7, so the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind. Before verse 7 comes verse 6, which says his heart was filled with pain. Have you ever thought about the way God looks at our sin? What was the sin of Noah's day? Well, just go up to the previous verses there, brother. Just go on up to verses right there, five. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. What are evil thoughts? Thoughts of adultery, men were cheating on their wives, murder, stealing, people were doing wrong to their neighbor. People weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping their idols, putting the things in their life before God, their camels, their mules, their silk clothes. Hello, they didn't have Gucci back then, but I'm sure they had something nice. And you know what God said when he looked at them? The inclination of the thoughts that they have in their heart are only evil. And remember last week we talked about having a renewed mind, changing our thoughts, getting rid of stinking thinking. And so where were their thoughts? Their thoughts were evil. 
Okay, and so God's going to judge them. He's going to kill a million people of his own creation. He's going to kill all of these cats and dogs and, and beautiful creatures of the earth, koalas and pandas and all of these nice, cute little creatures and ferrets and, you know, whatever else is cute that I can't think of. Maybe a ferret's not cute. Okay, he was going to kill all this. But did he do it lightly? Did God just say, I'm going to kill everything, I'm going to start over, hit reset, I don't care about these people? No. The Bible says is that it grieved him that he had made man. So the word grieved is that now he is deeply pained that he had ever even created them. And his heart was filled with that great pain. How do you think God looks at our world today? Andrew, put up that picture of the Jesus with the tear in his eyes as he sees our world. What do you think he sees when he sees the governments of this world? Plotting for power and for money. What do you think he feels in his heart when he sees the way we treat each other? He sees that we'll go to Christmas uh, parties and all of these things and have fun with our little bit of family. And then the moment we get on the road, we'll be rude to each other. We'll go back to work. We'll lie, steal, and cheat just to get ahead. People will look at other men's wives and they'll have affairs this year. Think of all the things that are going to happen in 2010 and ask yourself, how does God feel? You see, to me that's very important, especially we as Christians, because you know what? If He's our Father, we should care about how He's feeling. And I'm not saying we should go up to... To Dito Jesus, Dito Jesus, how are you feeling today? I'm not doing very well. It's okay, Jesus. No, I'm not talking about Jesus having some weak emotional need and we have to come and tell him it's all right and we love him and it's okay. We love you, Jesus. They may not, but we're here. No, I'm not talking about Jesus being weak in his emotion. I'm asking you, do you know how it makes him feel, though? You know, if your father came home and had a bad day at work, lost his job, if you were a child that cared, you would go up to your father and say, how do you feel? And your father would share his heart with you. Maybe according to your maturity, he would tell you what you could understand. Daddy had a bad day at work. Maybe you get a little bit older. I've lost my job. You're uh, a peer. Maybe you're an adult age now. Your dad can say, life's been tough this year. The economy, it cost me my job, and I don't know how your mom and I are going to make it. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you asked God how he feels about this world? When was the last time in prayer you said something like this, God, how do you feel about what's going on? Give me your heart. You know, I think if you began to talk to God about his heart for people's sin, I think it would sound like the prophets. I want you to go with me to Jeremiah chapter 9 who was known as a weeping prophet whose heart was broken for the people. And we know prophets speak on behalf of God. So and not to just imagine how God would respond to a question like that. Let's see what the prophets said when they had to describe the, the pain that they would feel because of sin. And we know that this pain is that grieving that God felt even in Genesis. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. Listen to Jeremiah talk about how he's feeling as he gets the heart of God for his people, the people of Israel who are sinning. He said, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Can you imagine that? Jeremiah is saying, 
I, I wish that I had more tears to cry because that's how much it hurts me. Have you ever been so hurt in your heart that you've cried till you can't cry anymore? Maybe you lost a loved one. Some of you, you you've lost somebody that you love. You know, I, I, as a pastor, have to be there on good days like for Ish and Robin's baby dedication yesterday. And it's fun, the baby, the little bear. We're having a fun as we're giving a gift. And, you know, we enjoy those times of rejoicing. But as a pastor, I have to go to funerals. Do you know that I've watched family members just weep at the coffin until they have no more tears and they're just kind of shaking? You ever seen that? And they're just kind of shaking and their lips are quivering and, and, and the family members are around them and they just can't cry anymore and they get tired and they say that they're sick and they're not getting sleep. You know, this is what Jeremiah, when he just got a touch, just, just a taste of what God feels when he looks across the earth that is sinning. He said, I, I just wish I had more tears. I wish my head was a fountain of tears because I would just keep crying and crying and crying. That's how much it hurts. How do you think God feels when he sees abortion babies killed in, in, in innocence in clinics? How do you think he feels when teenagers can't even walk home from school and he sees them getting picked on? How do you think he feels when that child gets raped or abused? Listen, my friends, if you've ever doubted God because of suffering and trouble, how could God allow this? My friend, you don't know the Bible. The Bible says that he has even regretted making us because of all the evil in our heart. And when he sees what evil goes on, it brings pain to his heart God is that pain for those things the abuses how does he feel I believe the Bible says it plainly his heart's filled with pain but does that mean that God just walks around depressed all the time no because God is able to have that pain and yet also see the good in what people are doing and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. And so I'm not trying to depress you today. I don't want you walking around going, no, I can't eat anything because I'm just thinking about all the people who can't. And no, I can't have any fun today because some people are in wheelchairs. I'm not telling you to have a pity patty party. What I'm asking you to do is to be aware of God's heart so that when you do see the person that doesn't have food, you're kind to them and your heart is broken for them. I remember one time I was shopping on Michigan Avenue with my mother, and we were hanging out. And listen, I'm, you know, I've been around the city now, you know, 14 years in New Orleans, uh, you know, eight, nine years here, you know, five, six years. And I'm used to homeless people, but I was just walking, and this guy cried out so loud. He said, help me, help me. And it, it just struck my heart like that. And then, and then I turned, and I heard him cry out again. Will anybody help me? You see, my heart was filled with pain the moment I heard that cry. You see, I'm not saying I walk around every day going, you know, I just want to feel the pain of every homeless man, and of course we can't feel other people's pain. But what I'm saying is when you hear the cries of people, when you see wickedness on this earth, does it break your heart? Or are these the things that entertain you? Do you, do you rent movies that are about wickedness, things that grieve God's heart, you laugh at? Think about that. God is grieved because of this sin, and we're sitting here calling it comedy. We're, we're, we're sitting here calling this entertainment, and God is calling this disgust. Think about it. How do you feel about what God feels about? You may look at somebody and have a righteous understanding of right and wrong and say, that homosexual is wrong. Okay, they're wrong. God knows they're wrong, but do you feel the pain for what they're doing? 
Do you look at them and understand that maybe they were abused as a child? Or maybe something went wrong and they didn't understand how to correct it, and so they think that this is the best way. And so instead of just pointing a finger of judgment, do you let God's heart touch you? You see, to me, my friends, if we're ever going to be true children of God, we need to have the heart of God. And I want to challenge everybody here today to have a heart for brokenness and pain for the things that breaks God's heart. Let God break your heart for the things that break His heart. I want you to look with me to Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Paul is talking to the people of Ephesus. And we know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And when we say Jesus is with us, because he says when two or more are gathered together, there he is. Who do we know in the Godhead is really with us? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit carries the presence of the Father and the Son with us. That's why he said in John 16, where he is, the fa- he says, I and my Father are. We'll make our abode with you, our home. We'll look at Ephesians 4.29 when Paul tells the congregation this warning. Verse 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve. Somebody say grieve. Or bring pain to the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Why? Because that grieves God. That pains Him. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I know some of you here are maturing in Christianity, and I think you felt this. Even some of you haven't even been saved have felt this, but especially those who are saved, follow me. Have you ever been in a conversation, maybe it's with Christians, non-Christians, it doesn't matter, and all of a sudden you start getting that sick feeling inside? Maybe because somebody's gossiping. Maybe because somebody's slandering. Maybe because somebody's doing something with their words that you just know is right. And in that conversation, you just don't feel right. Maybe parents, you're talking to your children, and you can see by their facial expressions how they're disrespecting you. And there's something inside of you just sickens you. You know what you're feeling? You're feeling a taste of what God feels. Because he says he gets grieved by unwholesome talk. He gets grieved by rage. It, 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 it pains his heart when he sees bitterness in our lives. See, my friends, I don't want us today to get so caught up in 2010 that we forget about God's heart. You see, be sensitive to God. When you're watching a TV show, I'm not telling you you can't watch TV. Every elder here watches TV in one way or another, okay? We all watch movies. Everybody here has some form or fashion of interacting with this world. But I'll tell you what I can say for all of the elders here is that when we watch something on TV that grieves God's heart, we'll shut it off. You might say, well, Pastor, is that just a PG-13 rating or an R rating? Listen to me. When I sense it grieve God's heart, we shut it off. When we, we hear music, we shut it off. Yes, somebody might listen to a secular song here and there. Somebody might listen to love songs. But listen, when they turn on that radio or they're in somebody else's car, and our elders hear that, and their heart gets grieved, they'll shut it off. When they're around people that are talking that way, because we can't leave planet Earth, my friends. I know we're around people that don't love God all the time. But our elders and leaders, they make decisions to turn away. And I want to ask you to do the same thing this year. It's not because God is just so super sensitive that He can't take it. Of course He can take it. But it grieves His heart for creating us. 
Can you imagine that? Could you imagine God looking today at our lives and saying, I'm pained that I created him. It pains my heart I created her. Look at how she's living. You see, let me give you an understanding of temptation. So many times we look at temptation as just little things. You know, God's just told us not to do stuff because he's a fuddy-duddy. He doesn't want us to have fun. I want you to understand what it really is. Satan is damned to hell because he had sin in his heart in heaven. And sin is like this soot out of the sewage of this world. Just imagine soot out of where we flush our toilet in this sewage plant. And the devil comes and he says, God, if I put this on your creation, are you going to damn them too? And he wipes it all over us. And we sin and we think it doesn't matter. We get bitter. We have rage. And we don't understand that in God's eyes we have made ourselves so disgusting. And then you know what the devil comes along and does? He says, now give them the same punishment you gave me. No second chances, God. That's what he did with Job. He said, destroy him. Because the devil is the accuser of the brothers. He says, destroy them. And then what does Father do? Father sends Jesus. And what washes us white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus says, I will cover them with my blood, Father. And I'll wash them and I'll take their wrath and punishment. And then God looks at us and says, live your life pleasing me now. And when we as his creation go back to the ways of the devil, when we don't treat our neighbor right, when we don't act right in our family, when we don't keep his commands, we're going right back to those things that grieve God's heart. And the Bible literally says what a backslider does is turns their back on God. God is here. They turn their back on God and they trample on his blood. And they go back to a life of sin. You see, for you to keep acting in a life of sin, for me to keep doing that, I'm trampling on God's blood. God forbid. Amen? Look at Luke chapter 13, verse 34. God's heart is broken for our sin. 2010, let's have his heart. Some people say, well, Pastor, you know, all sins can be forgiven. And that is true. I do, I do still believe that all sins can be forgiven. But my friend, I guarantee you, you will sin less when you know how God feels about it. Fellas, when you're tempted, you just won't say, well, let me just do this real quick, and then I'll ask for forgiveness. No, you're going to understand. When you're doing that, you're grieving God's heart. You might say, well, you know what? It was just New Year's Eve. God understands. I'm back in church on Sunday. No, you don't understand. When you were doing that, every moment you were doing that was grieving God's heart. When you get that heart, you'll begin to hate what he hates. You might look at me and say, Pastor, aren't you tempted? I am tempted just like you are tempted. But you know why I sin less than I used to? You know why God has changed me? It's because I hate those things that he hates. You know when my heart is wrong? You know when I see myself slipping? It's when I begin to tolerate the things he hates. You know, here's a definition of backsliding. Are the things that used to bother you not bothering you anymore? The things that Jesus used to say don't do, are you starting to feel comfortable with? Maybe Jesus said don't drink and you're starting to drink a little. Maybe Jesus said don't hang out with your friends and you're hanging out with your friends a little. And the biggest problem is you actually feel okay. My friends, that is not a good feeling. That's a numb feeling. It's because you're not understanding how far you've gone. Come back. Amen. 
Look at Luke chapter 13, verse 34. We know that when Jesus walked the earth, he was God in the flesh. So let's look at what Jesus uh, felt when he was with people. He not only felt pain for people's sin, but he also felt pain for people's rebellion. Now, some people say, well, when Jesus came, why did he have to die on the cross, uh, you know, to save everybody? Why didn't he just save everybody by his teachings? Why did he just say, everybody do what's right, and then everybody do what's right? Well, first of all, there never would have been atonement for sin. The sins they already did commit needed to be atoned for. And the second thing is, nobody does what's right. We had to be born again in our hearts, a change of mind to be changed. Because how many people know, I could tell you all day long, don't lie. But the law of telling you not to lie won't keep you from lying. You need your heart changed. How many know I could tell you all day long, fellas, don't lust after a woman? And you could say, I won't lust after a woman. I know lusting after a woman is wrong. So you have the law. You have the understanding. But you'll still go out and do it. Why? Because unless the sinful nature is changed, born again by the Spirit, a sinner will sin. And look at the way he looked at this process of him trying to call sinners in. Here's Jesus, the holy man of God, God in the flesh. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick, chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Here God takes a feminine example of himself. He's not a sissy. He's not saying I'm half man, half woman. But he's taken the greatest example of love. And I will tell you, even as a father, as much as I love my child, my wife has a greater love. I don't know how it's possible, but she does. Mothers just go beyond what men can do. Uh, it's, it's 12 o'clock at night. She's, she's crying. Put a bottle in her and put her to bed. Nancy's holding her. Nancy's sitting in the room. Nancy will wake up and feed her two and three times because the nurturing side of a woman will go deeper than the providing side of a man. When, when a, a father sees his children going away to college, he's like, bing, bada, boom, I got my, my, my uh, home uh, you know, theater coming back. I got, I got free time to go golfing. And the mother's just crying, I've lost my children. I'm telling you, I've just counseled a family on that right there. And the father's saying, hey, they're, t- they're just a couple hours away. Praise the Lord. She's like, no, I've lost my children. Why? Because the mother's heart goes so deep. When Jesus chose an example to say how he feels, he chooses an example and says, I feel like a mother that is trying to bring in her children and the children won't come. That hurts me. That's how he looks at you and I. When you and I turn rebellion toward, uh, uh, turn from God in rebellion, he looks at us like a mother and says, why, why aren't you coming home? He says, I've tried to bring you. I've tried to bring you to me, and you're not coming. I'll never forget one of the saddest days of my life. My mother has never forgot it. It's one of the saddest days of her life. I was on drugs. I was 18 years old. The devil was wearing me down. I was this close to giving up on life and this close to getting saved. And the devil was pushing me the other direction, and God was drawing me the other direction. I was right in the crossroads, and I had no place to stay. And I knocked on my parents' door, and they had kicked me out for drugs. And they said, you can't stay here. And I said, well, then I have nowhere else to stay. I'm going to sleep in my car in the driveway. And my mom said when she went to bed that night looking at her son's car in the driveway, she said that was the most broken her heart was ever in her whole life. Because what was she saying inside? I wish I could bring you in. But you're not willing. 
you're not willing. She knew I wasn't going to change. She knew that that, that, that that car was better for me because I didn't want to live by the rules of her house. And so when people go to hell, my friends, think about it. When people go to hell, is Jesus up there just going, I'm so glad you're going there because that's where I created you to go. No! God is saying, I was willing for you to come, but you didn't want to come. He says, look, your house is left desolate. He says, it's over now. You know, God is bidding us to come. He's bidding us. When you hear a preacher preach, God is speaking through them. When you read your Bible, God is speaking to you. John 3.16 should never get old to a sinner's heart. It should always touch their heart and say, God loved me so much, He sent His Son to die for me. It pains Him to judge us. It pains Him to watch us live a life of sin. So, number one, do you have God's heart when it comes to sin? The second thing, moving up to the places that will make you feel a little bit better now. <laughs> God is pleased with sacrifice. Go to Genesis 8.21. How many know we can break God's heart? Come on. Don't live breaking God's heart. And as you become a person that has his heart, you'll begin to see your heart break for others. But you know what God is also pleased with? You know what also blesses his heart is when we sacrifice it's when we give up something precious and we give it back to Him and we say, God, this is yours. Genesis 8:21. Here's where we see one of the first examples of sacrifice. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in His heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of His heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. This is after the flood of Noah. Noah gets off the boat. He takes one of those animals. He sacrifices it to God. He says, thank you for sparing my family. Thank you for what you've done. And now the Lord smells that, that uh, you know, that fogo de chao, kind of lechon, not lechon, the... Uh, it could have not been pork, but it would have been like uh, somebody out of chatta. He's... He smells it. He's like, oh, this is muy bueno. You know what I'm saying? The, the filet mignon. This is what he says. He says, this is good. You know that the Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord. So when you would make a sacrifice, you couldn't take home the fat. You had to give it to the Lord. Because it went up to the Lord. It smelled good. Come on. God is a carnivore. Praise the Lord. He loves me. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Come on. But I want you to think about what made him happy. Was it the fact that Noah just came out the boat and gave him a steak, a calf, or, you know, whatever? No, you know what made him happy? Is that he saw an obedient heart giving up something that was precious and saying thank you. You know how you can put a smile on God's face? is by giving him something that's valuable to you. You might say, I can please God and make Him smile. That's what it means to please somebody. How many know when you're pleased, you smile? When God is pleased, He smiles. He's like us. We smile. When Jesus was on the earth, He smiled, okay? He wasn't walking around serious all the time. He smiled. We please God when we sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. What are you willing to give God to make Him smile? Think about that. What are you willing to give Him? I remember the story of a star athlete that had an awesome opportunity in college to go to the pros. And God said, I want you to be a missionary. 
And here was all this ability, all the time the parents had poured into this young man's life, all the hopes and dreams, all the money he was going to make, all the things that he was going to give back to his family. And God said, I want you to give that to me, and I want you to live among the poor. When that man followed that order from God, God smiled that day. He smelt the sacrifice of that person's life, and he said, I'm pleased. How about the time when that woman, she decides that she's going to stay at home with their children and she's going to give up some of her dreams. God says, I'm pleased with that sacrifice. What about many of us here who had things in this world that we could have pursued, but we said we're going to pursue God. And we might not think that anybody cares about it. Everybody else has forgotten. But you know what? God knows. And He says, I'm pleased you make me smile. 2010, let's not think about what we're going to get. Let's think about what we're going to give. Maybe there's a certain time in your day where you just get home, guys. You just kick off your shoes. You put on the remote. That's your time. Maybe you can give that to God and say, okay, God, I've normally given this to ESPN, but I'm going to give it to you now. The best. The best, God. I'm going to pray to you right now. Five in the evening. I'm not going to wait to lay me down to sleep prayer at ten at night. I'm not going to do it half, you know, brushing my teeth in the morning. No, God, I'm going to give you five o'clock right now. How about in our tithes and offerings? Sometimes we're just thinking, well, you know, God just said give a tithe, so that's all I'm going to give. You know what? I'm reminded of that story that I always like to tell during tithes and offerings. The grandma, she couldn't make it to church that day, so she gives her, her grandson two nickels, and she says, now, son, one is, grandson, one is for you, and, and you can get ice cream after church, and the other is for Jesus, for you to give that to him. And then he's walking, and he's playing with the money like children do, and he drops one of the nickels, it goes down the bridge into the water. And he looks over and he says, well, there's Jesus' nickel. Still got my nickel. How often do we just think to that to ourselves? When was the last time you not only said, I'm going to give the tithe, but I'm going to give something that's mine? Because the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. I mean, taking that is literally stealing. But he gives you that other 90%. He says, that's yours. I entrust that to you. You're a steward. When was the last time you dug down deep and you said, Lord, I'm going to give you what's mine? This is what you gave back to me. I'm going to give it to you, even if it hurts. Why? Because it makes God smile. Look at John chapter 4, verse 23. Some of you might say, well, sometimes, Pastor, we don't have money. Or sometimes, uh, you know, I'm just living an ordinary life. I don't know what I can give up and be a missionary. Let me tell you what you can give him every day to bless his heart. John chapter 4, verse 23. We kind of started it already today. John 4, 23. Jesus is speaking about what the Father wants. He says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. How many people are doing all this New Age, all of this praying five times towards Mecca to find God, and yet Jesus is saying, God will find you if you do this. You'll please Him. You know what you do? turn off the TV, you shut off your phone, you sign out of Facebook, you close your, your little books that you read, and you start to tell God how awesome He is. He will find you. Well, I've been looking for God, Pastor. Have you been worshiping Him? Because He'll find you. 
Well, Pastor, I've been going through a hard time and I don't feel God's presence anymore. Have you been worshiping Him? Because He'll never let you stay there by yourself. So many of you know what I'm talking about, and I want to encourage that this year, that you'll have a heart to sacrifice your time and your love to God, because when you do, it pleases His heart. And how many want to please Him today? There's a story about a rich man coming to heaven, you know, the whole, you know, idea of Peter at the gate, and there's, there's Jesus, and, you know, the, Peter's uh, talking to the, the man, and, and, the, and the man's not obviously happy, so Jesus comes over, and he, and he says, okay, Peter, what's going on? And he says, well, this man's trying to, trying to bring some, some stuff into heaven. He wants to bless you and, and wants to bring something from earth here to you. And, and Jesus says, you, you know what, let me talk to him. And, and the man says, Jesus, I want to bring you my treasures from earth. I, I want to bring you what I have to just thank you, to tell you how thankful I am. And Jesus says, you know what, I've never done this, but I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to send you back down. I'm going to let you come back up. The angels are going to help you, and you're going to bring me the best you have. And, and Jesus says to Peter, let, let, let him bring it. It's okay. Let him bring it. And then so the man goes back down. He brings all the gold he has. I'm talking pounds and pounds of gold, bricks of gold. He brings it up there. He's got it in a bag. And, and Peter looks at him and says, okay, what did you bring him? And, and, and the man opens up the bag. He's so proud. And Peter says, why did you bring concrete to heaven? The streets are made of gold, friends. He said, why did you bring concrete to heaven? The best of what we have here is nothing to what he has up there. But there's one thing he wants. It's not gold. It's not a Cadillac. He wants your worship. That's what you can give him, which is worth more than all the gold of this world. More than all the possessions of kings and queens. That's where we all stand on equal ground. It's not the millionaire can bring a bigger gift than me. No, a child can bring God the greatest gift today. Because he can worship God and sacrifice to God the praise of his heart. And the father can look down and say, that one makes me smile. That one pleases me. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Rachel, would you come? I want to give you the last one in closing. You know what also God's heart is for? It's for those that are in pain. Those who are hurting. Luke chapter 7 verse 12 says that when Jesus was walking the earth, 7 verse 12, brother, you could put it up, He approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Imagine this. Jesus is walking around, and he hears a funeral. And funerals weren't like the way they are now. You know, we push them off into a certain building, you know, private. Funerals would happen right in the street. Like right here, you would see people walking down the street with their dead relative, burying them in some plot of ground. He hears the weeping, the wailing. I mean, come on, think of it, guys. You've been to funerals. He hears the weeping and the wailing. And the Bible says his heart went out to them. You know what that says to me? Is that any time we face pain on this earth, pain that a parent has done to us, children crying at night, a pain of a divorce, a pain 
of what we feel when we get diagnosed with a disease, a cancer, a pain that causes us to break down and cry. Grown men crying. Jesus' heart was out to us. He's not so much God that he doesn't feel what man feels. He became man to feel what we feel. And on that cross, the Bible says he didn't take our sins alone. Though, praise God, he took our sins. The Bible says he took our sorrows. And that there's only one person really on this whole planet that when that person is crying can put their arm around them and say, I know how you feel, and that's Jesus. Because when he was on that cross, he knew your pain, he knew your pain, your pain, your pain, your pain, your pain, your pain, pain, my pain, her pain. He knew it. When he was on that cross, he felt what you felt that day when tears came out of your eyes. He knows what it's like. And what does he say to us? Matthew eleven twenty eight. If anyone is burdened, if anyone is weary, let them come unto me, he says. And I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my load is easy, and my yoke is light, and you shall find rest for your soul. So what does he say to people today who have pain? When his heart feels it, some people say, how does Jesus allow all this stuff to happen? He doesn't allow it to happen. He died on the cross so it wouldn't, and he's going to redeem us so it never happens again. He's not okay with it, people. He's never been okay with it. As a matter of fact, the times when he's seen it the most, it makes him regret ever creating us. But how does it end? Put this one up there for him. Revelation 21, verse 1. Why did Jesus die on the cross? So that we might live. Amen? Eternal life. Sometimes we don't talk about heaven enough. Let me show you a picture of heaven. Started from Genesis. Now I'm ending in Revelation, if you caught that. Revelation chapter 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be their God. Look at verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Are you looking forward to that day? He's not just letting it happen, friends. He's not just standing by doing nothing. He's grieved. He sent Jesus. And He's calling you to come to Him now. And He's saying, I make it right in the end. I get the final say-so. It's like when the two kids have been fighting and one's been picked on. The parent comes home, sorts it out, and says, now this is what I say. God sees the devil. He sends him to hell. He rebukes all those who didn't want him, who refused him. And he says to us who endured this earth, as he watched by with pain in his heart, he now says, you'll never cry again. He says, you'll never feel pain again. You'll never lose somebody again. He says, the old order has passed away. Why? Because he says, I love you. He says, I love you. I love you. He says, I love you. That's what God says to man. I am love. Do you know God's heart? Let that keep you this year. 
When you're thinking about sinning, have his heart for sin. Hate it. When you're thinking about what do I do with my life, give him something precious. Give him your worship. And when you go through the hardest times that you and I can't even imagine right now, when you go through those times, know that he's there bidding you, calling you to come because he feels what you're feeling. And one day, we will see him face to face. And the things we've talked about will seem so dull in comparison to who he is. He is going to be all that and then some. Are you ready for that day? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for salvation. We're going to prepare for communion now. It's the first of the month. I know today we've had a lot. But we're going to take communion with this heart today. Number one, as they're coming to prepare you for communion, I want your heart to get ready. And I want you to look inside your heart right now and have a one-on-one with God and ask yourself the question, is my heart broken for sin? Because if your heart's not broken for sin, you need a new heart. I can always tell people who have not been born again, even though they have the religious talk, they'll say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. The moment you start asking them about sin, if they just quickly say, well, I get forgiven. You don't know Him. You haven't spent no time with Him. Because my Father breaks inside every time I sin. And I dare not take that lightly. Some of you have come to altars for sin and you've wept. And you said, I didn't even know I could weep that much. You know who was breaking through you? It was God. When I first got saved, I wept for a half hour. And I had never cried more than one tear for anybody, for anything. And for a half hour, tears flowing down my eyes. And I got up and I said, how? And God began to show me, this is the way I've been feeling. I let you taste it for a moment. What sin does to my heart. Come on, search your heart right now because communion is a sign of the blood of Jesus washing you. The body of Christ making you new. Come on, get God's heart for sin today. Hate it. Turn away from it. Let it break your, your pride. As we get ready to take communion, search your heart for a sacrifice. Jesus gave you His life. The Father gave you His Son. What are you going to give Him this year? You're going to give Him worship. That's what He wants. You could bring all your treasures to heaven. They would say, why did you bring concrete here? This is nothing. Come on, as we get ready to take communion, I want you in your heart today, saints, to say, God, I want to feel love for you like I never have. I want to get closer to you than I ever have. I want to worship you. I want you to seek me out. Because you'll find me, God, and I want to be there, God, right where you are. And then lastly today, if you came here and you're saying, man, I got so much junk, Pastor. It was almost torture. You being on your knees telling me to thank God for a half hour, it almost killed me. I almost walked out these doors. Come on, because you've gone through so much. Jesus says, come and lay your burdens down. He understands. 
And I'm not just saying make-believe friend in your closet, understand. No, I'm saying when you let go in Jesus' name, you'll feel Him wrap around you thicker than a winter fog, closer than the, the skin all around your bones, and go deeper inside of you than the air you breathe. He'll be real. He is real. But you've got to let go of it. You've got to let go of it. Those of you who are carrying your pain and your baggage, it's not your fault, but you do not have to carry it anymore. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for this communion. I'm going to ask Ricardo to come up. We're going to bless it. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to open these altars. And whether you need to come for repentance, you need to come to bring sacrifice, or you need to come to have a broken heart healed, as you take communion today, you're going to get God's heart. So just in a moment's just in a moment when I release you guys to start coming for communion. Just find a place to pray. If there's not room at the altar, you can go back to your chair or wherever. And let's start this new year with God's heart. Ricky, would you pray and bless this time of communion? Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross, oh God. Thank you for the cross that brought us life, O oh God, that forgave us our sins, O oh God, that washed it all, all away, O oh Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, that you don't treat us, O oh God. You didn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated, O oh God. We deserved hell, God, but Lord, you had a different plan, O oh God, and we just thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice, O oh God. Thank you for dying on that cross for our sins, O oh God. And I just pray that today, O oh God, that this church will declare, O oh God, that we will live a righteous life, O oh God. That we will live holy, O oh God. That we would hate sin, O oh God. We would hate what is evil and love righteousness. Love what is good, O oh God. So, Lord, today, God, we take this in remembrance of you, Lord. We remember what you did on that cross. We remember what you went through, O oh God, because of our sins, O oh Lord. And we pray, God, that we would not return back to it, O oh God. That we will never return back to the Lord, but that we will live holy and righteous, O oh God. Living a life that will please you and put a smile on your face, O oh God. In Jesus' name, we worship you and we thank you, God. Thank you for life, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name.